0: Welcome to A Learner's Journey. My name is Molly Sanders and the goal of this podcast is to inspire and motivate you by connecting you with a variety of passionate horsewomen and men who have dedicated their lives to helping horses and their people. I'm grateful you're here. I had a lot of fun with the conversation I'm going to share with you in today's episode. So Lalonde Romy has been a horsemanship instructor for many years. She started at a really young age sharing what she was learning with other people and discovered a passion for teaching as well as for horsemanship. I appreciate so many things about Lalonde, but a few of them that stand out are her creativity and her authentic desire to help people learn and improve for their horses. She also finds a lot of joy in her own learning and it's contagious. We explore a variety of topics in this conversation, but a few of them that stand out are, Lalonde shares a fresh view on frustration and how to deal with it, and also some of her lessons from the competition world. And finally, one of the things that really resonated with me was this idea that horses respond to authenticity. I think you're gonna love this conversation and I'm really happy you're here. Welcome Lalan. Hi. Hi, I'm so excited that you decided to do this. Um, I am really excited to talk to you. I have a ton of questions for you. So thank you for joining us. Oh my gosh, me too. So excited to be here. It's always fun. Awesome. Um, So the thing that I like to start off with everybody is kind of your origin story. So how you got started in horses.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, I actually grew up on a boat. My dad is a skipper. And um, so he ran big, you know, 90, 100 foot motor sailors, my whole childhood and him and my mom did that together so uh not around horses at all until we were about i was about five before i started kindergarten we settled up in the san juans and uh, up north of seattle and i had begged and begged and begged my parents to you know get a horse have riding lessons all that sort of stuff and my dad uh always said that he would never buy me a horse because he really wanted me to go to college and then when i went to he'd seen so many parents that buy their kids a horse and then they go off to college and then the parents have a horse to deal with and my dad was not playing that game And so luckily him and my mom found this amazing barn for me to ride at when I was about eight, seven or eight, and um, run by an amazing woman, Charlie Lolly. She actually just passed away last year. Um, Yeah, she was incredible. She ran just this beautiful, amazing facility. And, you know, at that point, I think now I look back and realize how How natural she was, how skilled she was before I even knew those terms, you know, in terms of natural horsemanship stuff. And I can remember it was like one of the first times in my life I remember going like, "Okay, this is really important because. My mom had called her, and she had told my mom, "Well, I don't really know if we have any openings, but she can come for an introductory lesson and let's see how how it goes." Mm -hmm. So I remember thinking, like, "Okay, I have to be on my best behavior and have to do, you know, because I really wanted to ride." And and it ended up just being this amazing partnership, and um, she just was so cool. And so I started riding there when I was eight and rode there with her all through high school, and you know, that's where my horses came back to after college and everything like that so That's when really I was cool. there yeah there was um she had about 20 horses most of the time I was there that she used for lessons and teaching and part leases and all sorts of stuff and then there was probably 15 to 20 of us girls between 8 and
0: 18 that wow. um
1: spent every day there after school with her wow. so cool
0: yeah. The further along I get in this whole journey, the more I hear like stories like that, I have so much more appreciation for that woman and what she did and oh my like, the consistency she provided for you guys and the community. And that is amazing. 100%. Amazing. And I mean, it's yeah. even
1: stuff like I can remember getting off the, and you know, the horses, she had a lot of pasture space and usually she would just drag manure in. So now in hindsight, I go, I don't actually think there was a lot of manure that needed to be picked up. She just was trying to teach us responsibility. Mm-hmm. And she also knew we got off the bus at 3.30, like vibrating, you know. Right. So she would meet us with like three wheelbarrows and like 10 pitchforks and just be like, okay, go fill these wheelbarrows out in the pasture. That's <laughs> and then awesome we came back, we were all like, okay. And she was like, all right, now we can go catch horses. And it's just stuff like that, that she just, she just was a beautiful person. And it was a amazing way to, to start my
0: journey. So, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um. So while you were there, so you, you started there at eight and how long were you there until high school, did you say? Yeah, all the way through
1: high school. And she was really cool. She's actually who fostered my love for teaching, because um, pretty quickly, she had a really neat system where, like, you know, once you knew how to catch and halter and brush, then you could teach the other new kids that were starting like that process. And she really kind of just developed this beautiful sense of community that way. Um, and yeah, I stayed riding with her right up through high school and then even would come back there in the summers and, um, you know, after college and stuff too. So it was really That's special. That's so
0: cool. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. Um, is, is the, I know you said she passed away last year. Um, is the facility still there? Did somebody take over? Her where daughter
1: she runs
0: something kind of similar.
1: She, it, you know, it, it's sort of in the last, as Charlie got older, it kind of petered out, but there's still a few, you know, horses there. And, um, there's a great gal who actually, she was. Candice was four years younger than me, who has her horses there and does just a few kids and stuff. So it's not quite the, what it was when I was there, but, Mm -hmm. but there's still, it's still a place people go to take lessons and learn about horses and yeah, it's still pretty special. So that's
0: really cool. So while you were there, she had this system where you start teaching the younger kids or the less experienced kids. Um, is that where you started to go? Hmm. I think I like doing this.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, um, it, it just, I always loved teaching and sharing and just wanted to be at the barn and loved playing with the horses and, you know, all the time I got to do that. And, and it for sure was where, she fostered my love of teaching, you know, and my realization um, that I had a bit of a talent for it as well. She just really fostered that. And, um, and yeah, and it was really, really neat just to get all that hours of sharing and, and all of that when I first started there too.
0: Right. That's really cool. That's really great. Um, So you did things, um, you know, I think I know a little bit about your journey just from the yeah. little bit that we've, we've talked. Um, but I think that you did things in a fairly smart order. Like I remember you were invited to come to the Pirelli ranch and um, and to stay there long-term and you decided to go back to college and finish your degree. And then, I mean, I just think that what were you in your early twenties? Yeah. That's quite mature thinking for somebody that age. So, tell us a little bit about that. Like, why yeah. did you why did you think that that was a good sequence of events?
1: Yeah. So it. Um, so, like you said, and actually, the group of girls that I was teaching and riding with, um, Linda Pirelli invited us to come and perform at a tour stop in Redmond in two thousand eight. I think. And that was when, you know, Pat offered me, it was cute because, you know, I was not a licensed Pirelli instructor at that time. And, but I had kind of coached and was helping all these girls. And I, I remember one of the young girls who was about seven. I told her, you know, now if if anyone asks, like, I'm not your teacher, I'm not your teacher, right? Don't get
0: me in trouble.
1: And of course, Pat sticks the microphone in her face after our performance. And she was a real like precocious young girl. She was oh. awesome. And and he sticks the microphone in her face and he says, Did that girl help you learn this stuff? And she says, No. <laughs> While, like nodding her
0: head. That's and great.
1: Yeah. So that was when Pat offered me the scholarship and I went down and spent the summer with him. And, and then, yeah, he invited me to stay on and, um, and I, you know, had college to go to that fall and it was such a huge opportunity, but I remember really grateful Neil Pye at that point, I, I was sitting there having breakfast and I was like, oh, what do I do? And da, 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 And, and One thing I always really appreciated about Pirelli is um, their goal to raise the level of professionalism in the horse industry. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that Neil said to me that really stuck with me. He said, our goal is to raise the level of professionalism in the industry. So if you want to go to college and you have a drive for that that is going to make you a more professional instructor and human and all of that sort of thing. And so I that was he just was one of those perfect divine intervention moments where he was there for breakfast at the right time and had the words that I needed to to really say that. And I'm so grateful I did a, a bachelor of science in psychology. And of course that's so applicable with my teaching and clinics and groups and all of that sort of stuff. So it was uh, a great decision.
0: That's really cool. That's really cool. Um, and I think that it's, I mean, all of us on our journey have those moments where there's someone that we admire or just somebody that comes along at the right moment and says something that sticks in our head and we go, okay, you know, gives us permission. Um, that's really cool. So, you know, now you've been teaching for quite a few years now. How long yeah. have you been teaching?
1: Um, well, pretty much, let's see, I kind of full time out on my own, away from campus since 2013. So that's eight, seven, nine years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and then um about I guess it's been three years since I resigned as a parole instructor. So then right
0: doing that since then too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, so it's been almost a decade out, out. Well, and then, you know, you can add up the years that you spent from at the uh, place in San Juan's. Yeah. So you've dealt with a lot of students. You've been all over the world too like you went to Australia and England? Did you just spend some time there? I haven't gotten to teach in,
1: in England or Europe. I, it's, it's on my bucket list. I would love to, but I did um I did get to do quite a bit. I've been back and forth to Australia. My mom's a New Zealander, so I have dual citizenship. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, so and I have her sister, my aunt and um and family in Australia as well. So Okay, uh, that's cool. Yeah, so I think I've made, you know, trips to see family and then five or six teaching trips there as well, which has been just so cool. So
0: Yeah, that's really great. So, you know, you've dealt with all these students in all sorts of different formats. Um, yeah. And um, have you come up with like... Any success tips that, because one of the things that I really like about you, you know, I followed you on Facebook a little bit with what you're doing and just you as a person, like when I'd run into you on campus, you, um, one, you're super creative. Like you're constantly thinking of different ideas. How do I reach this student? How do I present this information? And then um, you're really great about sharing your ups and downs of the journey, which sometimes oh. that doesn't happen. Like sometimes people yeah. only share the glossy stuff. Yeah. Right. So people people then go, oh man, I'll someday I'll get to be like them. And, yeah. and, and then hearing from somebody like you who's accomplished, you know, great things that you have ups and downs too. You have struggles. Um, For sure. So I really appreciate that about you. Um, So are there things that you've shared with people or maybe you've learned yourself like success tips, like one or two that you could share with folks for their journey? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the biggest thing I think is just really trying to to channel and keep frustration in check right i think frustration just you know there's that saying of frustration begins where your knowledge ends which is so true when you're not sure you don't know you don't know what to do and that frustration happens and then you see i think we see the same sort of responses in humans that we do in horses right fight flight or freeze right right we see the person that's like i'm frustrated and i don't know what to do with my journey so i freeze and i i'll, I'll just i'll just feed my horses i won't go out there and play with them and
0: right. and then you
1: know the people that's kind of the same they sort of flee from it and then there's people who are like oh, i'm gonna attack this like a brick. Wall, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the biggest thing is just trying to trying to keep the joy in it and the playfulness in it. And I know for me, one of the big factors that stuck in was I heard someone told me a story once about, and I I I don't know a hundred percent the truth behind this. It's one of those anecdotes, but it really Mm -hmm. works for me, so I'm Mm -hmm. sticking with it being true. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Which is that if you look at the prey predator pairs in the wild right like let's say gazelle and cheetah and the general they're like average prey for most of those pairs they say that the prey animal can run at top speed just 10 percent farther than the predator can Hmm. and so if you imagine that like and you just put distances to it right like that means that I'm a cheetah, and I ran flat out for a hundred yards, and I'm exhausted, and my dinner is 10 yards farther ahead of me. Uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. And you talk about frustrating, right. And, and so I remember when I heard that and I just went, a prey animal's job is to frustrate a predator,
0: right, right.
1: And so if I'm getting frustrated, it's because I'm acting like a predator. Right. And so that was just a like a, a game changer for me and being like, OK, they're when they feel like a prey animal, they're going to try to frustrate me. If I get frustrated then I'm acting like a predator. And so I've got to figure out how to how to get away from that and how to channel that and not go there. And if that means I've got to give up on a goal for the day or redirect or change or stop and eat grass for 10 minutes or whatever it is to try to shift myself out of that mindset, that's the most important thing.
0: That's really cool. I love the way that, I love that story. And yeah, yeah, I like, I like that you're saying, even if it's not a hundred percent accurate, it works. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like the idea of like the way you explained it, what popped into my mind is it's almost like frustration then becomes a signal for for us, that it can actually be this helpful signal that when we feel it, we go, okay, wait a minute. I'm I'm predatory. I'm in a predatory mode. So yeah. And because I think another part, I remember when I first heard the idea of it doesn't matter to our horse where our emotions are directed like I would get really frustrated with myself in my learning Mm. like I I can't believe I haven't gotten this yet and I don't remember who told me this it was on campus um but this idea that it your horse doesn't know that you're frustrated with yourself they just Mm. feel that emotion right yeah and then and then what happened for me is I would start feeling, I'd get frustrated with myself and then I'd feel guilty. Like, yes. Oh no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm damaging my relationship. So yes. I really, I like the simplicity of what you shared, that it's just, it's just signaling that I'm in a predatory state and yep. I could snap out of it and do something, you know, like give your give myself time. Like you said, that's really yep. awesome.
1: Yeah. You just got to shift it. And the more success I have I have so much more success, the quicker, like you said, you recognize that as a trigger and you just go, okay, I've got to shift. Like, cause nobody's good. Nobody's winning. Like nothing's nothing positive is going to come from this state of mind. So I've just got to shift and then redirect
0: and try again. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Whatever the equivalent is in the podcast world of a mic drop. I think you just had one. <laughs> <laughs> That was yeah. Good. Cool. yeah. Um so along the lines of um frustration and like frustration signaling not only that we're in a predatory state but that often it's where our knowledge has ended. Yeah. You it seems to me again following you on Facebook um that you've been putting yourself into places to challenge your own learning. Like you it looks like you're dabbling in competition and you yeah. know trying new things out. Um, so one, tell us a little bit about that, like the competition world, like why, why did, why are you drawn to it? Um, what do you like about it? And then what are some of the challenges of it? So it's actually kind of a funny story.
1: So I, um, I got into competition. Many people or people who know me and have seen me know my, my little gray mare, Andiyama, who is, 27 this year and living her best life, retired with a good friend up on 80 acres in the mountains. So she's doing fabulously. Um, but about eight years ago, I, uh, took a group of students to ride with Trevor and Tara Carter down in New Mexico. And they were doing this cool thing where it was like a four day clinic. And then they would take you to a show with them and like support you through that whole thing. And I thought, Oh, this would be so fun for a group of my students. And it would be, you know, great. And I actually, you know, in hindsight, I totally thought it was going to be all about my students. I didn't realize what a (laughs) challenge. It was going to be for me, but um, I was, I took Domo at that point. She was still doing lots and, um, and doing really well. And I mean, that horse has performed, I think she's been to 27 states and been all over the country. And it was so interesting. I went into the arena to run this raining pattern and i asked for a lead change at x and she threw this huge buck and um like my hat came off my sunglasses came off and like i didn't come off thank goodness and i finished the pattern and my clients were like oh my gosh we've never seen her do that and like i we didn't even know Donald could do that and i just had this huge realization about how often i you know because on tour I was always doing these spotlights and I like yeah I had an idea of what I was going to do but I never had to execute something at X right ah, right the
0: precision like it in a certain like, spot yeah I could really be like oh we're going to lope 3 circles and oh, okay here
1: now she's ready for the lead change and ah. I was just doing everything in a very like you know, beautiful and harmonious way, but really on her terms. And it, it just caused me to realize like, I need, this is somewhere where I need to grow, right? Like that frustration came up a little bit. And I just had no idea that that was kind of a hole, so to speak for us. Um, And I just realized like, I want I want a horse that has so much trust and confidence in me that when I say, okay, I know you're a little tight or I know you're a little worried, but I'd like to have this maneuver now, they could be like, okay, we got you, you know? Right. and i and i saw that in trevor and in his horses and i went ooh like that's somewhere i want to grow and i want to learn so that's what inspired me to kind of go into the competition world a little bit more and just and see what i
0: see what i could find and what i could learn in there that's really cool so i have a question for you along those lines um so it 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 sounds like I mean there's a balance there right you you want to get good at being able to read your horse know when they're ready ask when they can say yes yeah. all those things but yeah. then you found that whoa I've never asked when like at X like you said yeah, exactly have you found because I know you're doing a lot of horse development too um, yeah. and have you found that there's, um, there's a sequence to that? Like, do you feel like you, you want to meet the horse where they're at first, get them going and then start saying, okay, now I'm going to ask you for some things that you might not be ready for.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. And I really think, um, you know, coming back to, a. um, you know, something that Pat used to talk about was that, that idea of the 80 20 rule. I've kind of started applying that in that situation. And so now with my training horses in the past, I would always do like, okay, basically a hundred percent of the time things are gonna happen on your timeline. And I'm gonna ask when you're ready and, you know, try to set you up for success the best I can. And then now what I've done in a lot of my training is I've morphed into that 80-20 place where I feel like 80% of the time I go, all right, how can I set you up? How can I help? Like, how can we make this lope departure really beautiful and all those things? But now from the very beginning, I do look for those moments where I can say, I got you. I'm the leader. Can you just find it right now? And um, and I've really seen a lot of growth in my horses. It's it's almost like they appreciate that. You know, Um, I think about it like if you have a really strong relationship with somebody and you can go like, "Okay, I know you're emotional. I know you're frazzled. I love you we just need to get this job done right
0: now. Right. And
1: if, you, if you've experienced that in a, you know, in a partnership with a, with a human, um, those moments are really cool. Right. And then right. later you put a bunch of cookies in the bank or do something right or do something that right. works. And um, and I, yeah, I've just found a lot of beauty in that with the horses too, as well. Um, If you really, like you said, respect that balance and making sure you're putting in enough time where you're helping them as well.
0: Right. That's really great. That is really cool. So, with the competition world, um, are there things? Because are you are you still you're competing um, a little bit on your own? And then are you are you bringing students as well? Are you okay? Because I think that is so. um, Oh, what would be a good word that I could say on the podcast? Uh, Like. Heroic. I was gonna say ballsy. I can say that. I can. It's my podcast. Yeah, Um, totally. And um, take that as a compliment. Yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) Um. So, um. What? What do you like? What advice? If if there are people listening to this that are like, oh, I've oh, I wanted to do that, but you know, I'm a little nervous about doing it. Um. What? What would you? What could you say to them to help them? Um. With entering a competition.
1: Oh my gosh. I would say the best advice I could give is just kill everybody with kindness and positivity. Because the show world gets they people get so uptight and like and I honestly have to say I really learned that from Tara and Trevor. The Carters are just a great example of that. Like Trevor rides into the warm up ring and he says hi to everybody and he helps everybody and he's always chit chatting and making jokes and and Pat was the same. I mean I don't know if you ever got to go to some of the cuttings. I did. Like
0: yeah, he would bring that energy as well. And
1: yeah. and then and it's like. I think it's so contagious. Um, and it's it's rare, right? And so yeah. now it's like I just got an email the other day because I haven't been, you know, showing or taking clients, and I got an email from one of the show organizers um out in our area here and she was emailing to say like hey i just wanted to send you the entry forms like we love having you in your group and we haven't seen you in a little while that's Um, awesome yeah and it's just it's it's a it's sometimes missing and then it causes people to reciprocate right it causes right. people to to be helpful and to like you know congratulate you and it is it's so fun and valuable to go in a group if you can too um just find a couple of people and um you know but just ask questions own that it's your first time going and um most people i have found are so excited uh cuz in a lot of places you know horse shows are are kind of dying They're not a lot you know there there's some events that are really taken off and people are interested in but a lot of horse shows are struggling for attendance and stuff and um so I think that's that's been my experience is just go in there with a lot of humility and a lot of positivity and then that's what that's what comes back at you and um you know it's it's been really cool to to get to be part of that and to bring that
0: to the shows too that's really cool. And so do you have, is there a discipline of choice right now or a, a type of show that you're really excited about?
1: Yeah. So for me personally, I love the ranch horse versatility. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been really cool because it's um, it's like five events. And so it, for that, your horse does it you know, doesn't have to be as high caliber in different things because you've got that breadth, which I think really speaks to natural horsemanship and, and stuff like that, you know, being able to do a few different disciplines. So personally, I love doing that. Um, I also have really enjoyed, you know, going fast and chasing cows and learning a little bit about roping and that sort of thing. Um, And then the other thing that I've been doing a bit of with students that I think is just really fun and, and super, super conducive to beginning and dipping your toe in the, in the show world is the equine trail sports. Yes. Um, Yeah. So that's been, that's just been super fun. Like, you know, the way they do, there's three levels at each obstacle. And I love that you don't have to pick one level the whole way through. Right. Right. Because that just, it speaks to horses being individuals, right? Like you have a horse that's going to be a rock star about a tarp. And so my client can go to the tarp obstacle and do level three, but, oh, they're really unconfident about, you know, movement and speed. So in the can or simple changes, they're going to do a level one task and just walk the figure eight or whatever it's going to be, you know? And I just think that that is such a cool way to help people and horses, um, you know, that are getting into showing.
0: Yeah. It's really cool to like that ETS. And then like you said, ranch versatility, both of those seem to have been developed with horsemanship in mind with putting the horse, you know, first in mind showing, you know, showing versatility. And then both of those events really have a high educational component. Yes, if People are there to help ranch versatility. Don't they do like a schooling? Yeah. Lots of, one- of times
1: they'll do a clinic the day before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all sorts of stuff like that to really help people. And then they've got the same, you know, with the cow work, it's like, they've got um, I think the intro level for cow work for my client is, clients is boxing and it's 45 seconds. And all you have to do is control the cow on the short side of the arena where it comes out, right? Okay,
0: so it's right. like the
1: cows coming out, the herd is behind it, the natural draw is there, and you just try to move it back and forth on that short side of the arena. So it's really conducive to, yeah, like you said, to people getting started and right. and the education and growth of it, too.
0: That's really cool. I could do that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe like of people go like, oh, 45 seconds. Okay, like I can right. get the arena
0: for that. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's that's really great. Um, so, um one of the things like i mentioned you know that you've shared a lot about your journey uh, some of the ups and downs um can you think about a time in your journey that was challenging for you and what what got you through it hmm. um
1: yeah so a couple of summers ago i had a horse that came into training and, um, I had, I think like the, the year before I'd done four or five starts from the beginning that had just gone so smoothly, walk, truck, canner. And I think, you know, in hindsight, I was feeling a little bit like, oh, I really know what I'm doing here, which is like, also
0: should be a red flag when for, me. for me too. Yes. <laughs> so, like, okay, you're
1: about to learn something if you yeah. feel like you know more than you think you do. Yes. And, um, and so I had this horse come into training and I just could not get him to find forward at the canner. Like he just, and he wasn't trying to like, ditched me, but I also could feel like if I would have escalated my pressure and like dug some spurs into him or really gotten after him, then he would have escalated as well. And I just couldn't figure out how to help him think forward. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I really did. Like, I really got frustrated with it and, um, you know, a couple of things. I think honestly, what I ended up doing was I said, like, I've got to just take a break. I've got to go back and I've got to say, okay. So the last week he was with me, I spent just getting the walk and trot soft, getting some, you know, some hind quarter, four quarter, sideways, getting all that stuff softer, a little bit of stick riding, a little bit of purpose. And then I called his owner up and I was like, I think he needs to come home for a month. And, um, and that was tough because I kind of felt like a failure. He wasn't where I thought he should be um, and all of this sort of thing. And, um, and so I sent him home and I just kind of soaked on it. And, uh, and I think that was the, the right call, you know, in hindsight was just to give us both some space. And it was so funny because a couple weeks later, she has that the that owner has a friend in the area who is a pretty talented dressage rider, and um, this horse was kind of Englishy and fancy. I think he was a Frisian something cross, mm-hmm. and uh, and so she took him to her friend, and her friend rode him and said that he was like the best prepared um, young horse she'd been on in ages. Wow! I was like. Okay, so it's like it was just this big lesson of being like again like it's not about the right Mm -hmm. we've heard that a gazillion times from really stuff it's like it's not about the canner um. And then I think just that, that lesson of like thinking laterally and going like, okay, I'm, I'm not winning at this thing that I think should happen. I've got to think laterally and help the horse be soft where he can and just improve what I could. Um, And, you know, I was really lucky to have an owner and I pretty much only train horses for people that I know now and that I know are in line with my philosophy. So when she came to pick him up and I was like, he's not cantering well yet, but we've got this and this and this, she was like, that's cool. That's where he is. Right. That's really cool. um, Yeah. So I think just, and you know, in hindsight, I just wish that when I, when I felt that frustration, instead of, you know, I probably pushed and we got in fights for probably four sessions that we didn't have to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but, Five years ago, it probably would have been ten sessions of fighting. We didn't right. have to do so. I'm learning; it just it takes us all a while, right? So, yeah. I wish he didn't have to have those four sessions that were hard for him, um, but you know, then I think I got to learn from it. And I'm, I'm honestly, Sherman. Some of you guys may know, like, um, was a horse that I just trained recently and took to uh, one of the premier horse sales, and he was with me for a year. And he was so similar to that horse that taught me that lesson. Uh And so when he started bracing a little bit about the canner and we were struggling, I just right away, I went, right, okay, we're going to get this working better and this working better and this working better. And, you know, we just, I just didn't have to fight with him about it. So the horses that you meet next are always grateful for the ones you met before. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Exactly. That's really cool. And I also think about like, by you doing that, by you saying, you know, this horse, we both need some space. We both need a little bit more time. I feel like that raises the level of professionalism because so often um, I've run into horses where the person, the trainer will keep them for months. And, and, you know, you said four days of struggle, right? It can be. So much longer and and not and nothing said and so I mean I just I think that's so great and transparent of you um, so yeah that's really cool.
1: It's such a lesson, right? Like that's something I was talking with some clients about this the other day. Is I think one of the things that I feel like horses see they see down to our soul, right? We all know we all feel that, mm-hmm. and they so appreciate and respond to authenticity. Right. So, and that's something I try to tell my students all the time. Or like when I watch somebody and I go, am I correcting that because it's a style thing? Or is there actually a functional reason I want to change what they're doing? Right? Hmm. Like yeah. I have this. I had this client for years really lovely lady and she moved away not too long ago, but when she would send her horses on the circle. And she was a music teacher she loved music and she was so passionate about it, and she would send her horses on the circle, and it would always be this like la di da thing, uh-huh. and I was like I and I, I kept thinking like I want to change that and then I was like. But, but why do I want to change that? Like her horses love it. She loves it. Everybody's smiling. Like, am I just trying to pick on her? Cause that's not the style that's true to me, but it was so authentic for her and her horses. And so I had to be like, no, don't change that, you know? And so that's the thing I think that they really respond to is if we can get our egos out of the way and the style out of the way and, and not be like, oh, well, a horse that's with me for 30 days should be cantering. And, you know, people are going to think he should be cantering. It's like, no, no, where, where him and I at and, and what can I help him with? Then that's going to be where the, where I think where I find more success.
0: Yeah. I love that. I, I've never thought about horses responding to authenticity, but it totally, yeah. I, I totally agree. And it it also kind of explains why maybe people that are just starting out can sometimes see things and achieve things that you wouldn't think that they should be able to,
1: Yes, right? yeah, Because totally. they don't,
0: they don't know any different and they're just showing up the way they are or kids, yeah. right? Like that's, yeah. that's really, yeah. that's really kids cool for
1: sure. And I have yeah. to think, you know, Linda Pirelli was the one who first gave me that lesson. Cause, but when I showed up for, the, I spent a year with her in 2011, but before that I had been working with Callie and Karen Armstrong and, um, both of them are amazing horse trainers and very, and more introverted people.
0: Right.
1: Right. So they, and with the yearling program they had running out at Atwood, they were just um, doing amazing stuff, but so quiet and so slow and I, and so particular. And I learned so much from both of them. And then it was funny. I showed up, to ride with Linda and Linda was like what are you doing and I was like well and and she's like yeah take all the techniques you learned take the theory you learned but that is not you like Uh you are you are an extrovert you love to like move and play and flow with your horses like you've got to be you that's what my horses will respond to so that was awesome yeah. Powerful moment in my journey for
0: sure. Yeah, yeah. That is, that's really cool. So, um, I think, you know, people that know you know that you've had a recent shift in your world. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so, um, you have a three month old little girl. I do. Raya. Her name is Raya? Raya, yeah. Raya. Um, have you seen, cause I'm sure, I'm sure you have, Um, And I'll get the, I'll get the question out in a minute, but I think that, you know, you are someone that uh, is similar to me. We compare everything through the horsemanship lens, right? You're constantly thinking about it. So now you're a mom, have you seen any parallels yet between horsemanship and motherhood? Oh my gosh. So the biggest
1: one that I have had, like just just a huge thing and this is more um I just have had a big like feeling for my students a bunch in this because I think one of the things as a as a professional who gets to work with a lot of horses like we start to you start to know really well that it's not if it's when right Right. so we know that moment like okay I know this horse is having trouble but I'm confident in my technique and my skill and if i just stick with it you know how often do you say that to people just stick with it just stick with it right, right. you're on the right track right and that has been the biggest thing that in motherhood i've noticed is that like okay Am I in that place where I just need to stick with it and she's tired and I just need to help her get to sleep
0: or does she need something else and I need to switch strategies, right? Right. Right.
1: I just have this huge appreciation for how often my students must go like, is this the moment that I stick with it or is this the moment that I need to switch strategies? And that has just been like, okay, figuring that out um, and like trying to learn her and learn my own mothering skills with it is like, that has been the biggest thing. And, and, you know, you name it to tame it. And, oh my gosh, like about a month ago when I had that realization now it's like, if she's fussing or something, I can ask myself, okay, do I need to stick with it? Yes. You've been up for an hour and a half. You're really tired. We're just going to keep walking and rocking and singing and you're going to go to sleep, right? Right. I need to stick with it. Or like, oh gosh, that sounds like a different cry and that's a different kind of fuss. Maybe I need to try a different strategy. So that's just been, that's been my biggest parallel that I've seen.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And then the element of support, like finding other people, you know, oh family members or whatever that have gone through it and right. can share, you know, things with you. But even with that, like you get more knowledge, but even with that knowledge, she, you and her have a different dynamic, just like each of us with our own horse. There's no other dynamic that's like that. So yeah. we've got to honor that as well, but then take in the knowledge and try things out, but then trust yeah. ourselves too. Yeah. Yep, yep, um, yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. that's really cool. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank for, you.
1: It's that's been fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, really, really exciting. Um, so, <clears throat> something that we um, chatted about briefly before we started was um, a change in both of our worlds as far as trying to help students virtually, mm. and that's something that you're um, you're doing. now. Um, Do you want to share a little bit about that? Like, so if someone's listening to this and they're wondering like, oh, I'd love to learn more with this person. You live in Utah, right? Yep. That maybe they're in Australia or they're, you know, in New York or wherever. Um, You're now doing things where people could learn with you no matter where they are. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah. So the virtual thing has just, um, it's been really fun. And I think with a lot of people have experienced the same thing as it kind of has emerged really organically, which I think makes things really cool sometimes with COVID. And then now with having a baby, um, and all of that stuff. So I, I started, so May of 2020, my normal California teaching tour that I do got canceled and um, i had a couple friends out there that said can you figure out how to offer something virtually and then um i have a great friend who has a facility just about 20 minutes south of me cedar haven ranch is her and she who is who has been hosting my virtual stuff and managing all of the technology and sound and figuring helping me figure out all that kind of stuff um and so yeah, we actually found for me this great format of the closed Facebook groups mm-hmm. and some of the educational software that that Facebook does for free. They've got this, you know, system of guides where you can check things off when you're done and all of that. And we've just found that to be really powerful as a way to share information. And and then also, I'm so passionate. I love creating community too, right? right. And so that's been really a neat way to, to kind of see that blossom. Them as well. So, um, I have a course going right now. That was really fun. It's, um, I call, we called it 30 sessions to a safe and successful spring, you know, cause this is often that time people are getting out and, um, you know, trying to get going with their horses, at least in this hemisphere. Right. Um, and what I did, which was neat was I created a little, a short video task Um, And all of our videos are like two to five minutes long. But the tasks were aimed at creating either a 15 minute, a 30 minute or a one hour session for people. Yeah, so you could be like, okay, I've got i just got 15 minutes to play with my horse. All right, here's a two-minute video on four-quarter yields. And then I can go out and work on that. Or like, oh, well, it's Sunday. I've got a bunch of time. Here's a you know video on simple lead changes that you know the video is not an hour long, but it kind of it it directs you towards creating a longer session with your horse. So that's been a really cool, fun little format, just been fun to kind of get creative and try to figure out how we could help people and what people
0: want and are looking for and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because I think that's it's that's really smart because a lot of people have. they want to know more about how, how do I come up with a session? What should I be doing? And, and by you, you know, giving them these options based on how much time they have, but also helping them design the session as well. That's really, really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: That's awesome. Um, so how do people find out more about you?
1: Um, Well, LR Horsemanship, I was very lucky. Um, Roque was my maiden name and um, Romy is my married name. Nice. So that worked out really well because I'm just LR Horsemanship on Facebook and on um, and that's my website so that's probably the best way for people to contact me and find out and I'm really excited about I've got one more virtual course planned for July, which is going to be on leadership and feel. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm really excited about, you know, that'll be just a little bit more cerebral and conceptual versus the one we're doing right now is really like, here's this task, try this. Here's this task, try this. So going in a different
0: direction for the July one, which will be super fun too. That's awesome. And is it, do you have a start date for July? July 1st. Yep. Okay, cool. And how long, how long is it? That one will be either eight or 10 weeks. Okay. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah, so Yep. Yeah, the one that's going right now is 12 weeks. So it'll be done um, here. I think we've got three weeks left on that one. And then I'll take a little break and build some of the content for July. And then I think that one will be, yeah, be probably eight or 10 weeks. So
0: very cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk thank to you. us. thank you molly yeah it's been really great and so uh, great to catch up yeah hope to see you down the road sounds good you too what a fun conversation i hope that you found many things that resonated with you and like i said when i introduced this episode one of the things that really resonated with me is this idea that our horses respond to authenticity i hadn't really ever thought of it but once i started thinking about it i totally agree And then it got me thinking about how grateful I am that I get to do what I'm doing and I get to meet and talk to people like Lalanne, who are being their authentic selves and sharing their gifts with the world. And then it got me thinking about you and all of us and um, that how important it is that we share our gifts and it's so easy to get wrapped up in comparing ourselves and thinking that, Oh, I wish I could be like that person. And it robs the world of you being you. And so I just, I just want to share those thoughts with you and encourage you to keep finding ways to celebrate the gifts that you have. And if you aren't sure what they are yet, open yourself to the idea that they're there. It might be in the form of caring for animals or caring for your family or supporting a friend, writing a story, playing a song. There's just so many ways that our gifts can be expressed. And I feel like now more than ever in my lifetime, we need it Uh, and we need each other to be bringing our best selves um, to the table. And I will leave you with that idea. There's no one else on the planet like you. There's no dynamic like you have with your horse or your horses. It's a, it's a unique, special thing. And uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching and keep being you. The world needs you.